0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to MindWarp, the podcast that's supposed to warp your mind as we introduce you to all kinds of new things, things digital and, and otherwise in the mining industry, interesting topics and interesting people. Welcome from me, M.P. stradom and my co-host,
1: Jean-Ru. Hello, everybody. Fantastic to uh, spend time with you. We've got a great guest today that's going to uh, educate us about stuff. I don't want to give it away, M.P., He's qualified to have opinions on this. MP, we are now into how many months? Third month of our time at Epiroc. Big company, big things happening. Everybody watch out what we are doing. And then MP, you you all the time say, please like and subscribe. And after I watched lots of YouTube on it, some of the guys are saying, I'm not going to make you do that. But you know what to do, do it. So uh, yeah, Yeah, we are uh, really pleased with everybody that's dialing back in. We know who you are. There are some guys that are religiously listening to us. Special mention to Evert, the writer. Evert, uh, thank you for every time telling us this is a good one. It keeps us motivated to go and all the other people. And for the others, drop us a, a note about what you think. Tell us if there are people that you'd like to yes. hear
0: from or topics that you'd like for us to discuss, yes. please. Yes. Yeah, Epi, over to you. So today we've gotten a hot topic hot-button topic, I should say. We're talking about ESG. And for those of you who don't know what ESG is about, it is about environmental, social, and governance, performance, and reporting that all all listed companies, at least, uh, have to do. But more and more, it's not only listed companies, but any responsible company that have to think about the impact that they have as they do business on the environment, on the people that they uh, the communities within which they work and communities that work inside of the company. And of course, all things governance. We we have a very special guest who's no stranger to this topic. His name is Jacques Erasmus. Jacques, welcome to Mind
2: Hi, MP. Thanks. Thanks for having me and looking forward to our discussion.
0: Yes, absolutely. So instead of me trying to introduce you completely to our audience. Why don't you jump in? Maybe start off. Just tell us in three seconds what you do now, and then you can give us a little bit of, of background. How you got to where you are right now? Thanks, EP. Yes. What am I doing now? I'm literally living out
2: my dream. I'm I'm passionate about digital transformation in in businesses, shortening their processes, and then obviously ESG linked to that. I think we have the unique opportunity where we can take technology and ESG and merge it into one and really give companies and the industry some great potential to further the ESG journey much quicker than we would have done in the past. You ask where do I come from? I've uh, been working in the mining industry for 23 years, and it's it's been a passion of mine. I I tried a few other industries and really gave me some good background, but I always keep gravitating back to, to mining. And it really only started, I, I'm a chartered accountant by profession. And 23 years ago, I arrived at KPMG. And in those years, they put you in an industry group. And I had a choice between financial services and mining or energy and natural resources. And lucky for me, I ended up in energy and natural resources and been building that journey, learning, experiencing things. I think it's the full of actually going out to the mine and actually seeing how the mining operations work, linking that to the finance. And in my latter part of my career, pulling all the services, supply chain, ESG, into that sphere.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned ESG together with with supply chain. That, of course, has has an immediate impact on communities as there's a movement towards involving communities or direct communities much more in the supply chain of big organizations, isn't there?
2: Absolutely. Maybe just to take a step back and be, I, I see ESG almost as a personal choice. And if I can sort of explain it by using an analogy, it's its like healthy eating. ESG has always been with us, but it's its come to the fore and it's been very prominent in the, in the last few years. And it's, it's almost like a lifestyle. So previously you would start with ESG, I think around it's a personal choice. So it's, you can either eat healthy, or you can eat all the junk food and and the burgers. And similarly, as you then grow into that lifestyle where you make good choices and responsible choices, similarly, that is sort of what ESG stands for for me. And then when we take that into a business perspective, it's exactly that. It is not all about the money. It is caring about the person next to you and working with you in the community. I always think of, of Jerry Maguire when... When Tom Cruise says, show me the money, it's actually no longer showing me the money. It's showing me that you are responsible and that you can have a sustainable business, which is more than money. It is actually caring about, one, the environment, caring about the society, and then obviously keeping yourself honest and disciplined through governance.
1: Wow, I really like that. But these days and the last few years... There are more going than people just making a choice to eat more of this and that or have better ESG credentials. There are also pressure from investors and from the communities and from other environments. So um, before we jump into that, Jacques, let's talk about your background and the things that has built you up to this point to get to be knowledgeable about ESG. John, I think it's it started out so so obviously very strong
2: on the governance side. Uh, being an auditor for almost 22 years, and not just signing financial statement accounts, it's actually funny when I when I moved in 2010, I actually moved to Canada for two years uh, to Calgary, and in Calgary, I was the only audit partner who actually has ever signed a sustainability report. Wow. And that's where my love sort of started, was always involved in the South African mining industry. And I think South Africa was more progressive on that type of reporting than than anywhere else in the world. I think the rest of the world is now caught up. But that's where the passion started and working with clients and really understanding what they should be reporting. And that sort of then gravitated back into saying, it's all cool and well how we report stuff, but how do we actually make a difference? So it's not just a policy statement which we opine on. How do we actually apply that in practical so it actually makes a difference in somebody's life? And that's where I am today. I then joined industry, worked for a large mining client, and through that, understood what ESG means from supply chain. One of the, the medical departments were reporting to me. So what does employer well-being look like? And then obviously met up with MinerP, and I think that is sort of the next evolution in my journey where then, obviously, how do we make this real-time? So it's not just report once a year, but actually can make it real-time live for all the stakeholders to digest.
0: It's interesting that many years back, we were, in a minor P, was involved in the development of health and safety solutions firstly, and then with a few big audit firms, we got involved in the development of enterprise resource management systems. And I remember that as we discussed how we take, the products that we developed to market, one of the mining sustainability VPs said, well, firstly, you've got to learn how to wear uh, a suit and a tie because you're going to be speaking to boards and not to miners anymore. And that's true, isn't it? The kinds of reasons and kinds of discussions that drive the ESG engine are really board level discussions, aren't they, Jacques? Absolutely. And there's sort of
2: two thoughts, as you as you were speaking, which comes to mind. One is, this, and I just want to go back to sort of what management perceived as value in the business. And I think the boards have realized that, that value is no longer the profit in my profit and loss or the dividend I declare at the end of the world. Yes, that's important because you need money to obviously fund these programs. But value in a business at a board, I think, has now changed where it's changed from money to sustainability. Also, if you look at your stakeholders and your investors, they no longer interested in just getting a financial return. They are looking at companies and saying, are you doing business in a responsible manner? And if you look on on the internet and and read publications, you will see that there are a lot of studies who've come out in the last sort of three months, which would argue and make the suggestion that A company which is socially responsible, therefore meaning driving the ESG agenda, would actually trade at a higher multiple in their share price than a company which would not. And to that point, I believe ESG is actually the number one priority. It doesn't matter if you're mining, banking, any industry. I think that has actually become the business imperative and a lot of companies are subscribing there too. It's now just how do you unpack that and realize the value for your stakeholders?
1: Wow, that's significant. We interviewed uh, Andrew Lane from Deloitte, South Africa last year, or Africa. You probably know him well, Jacques. And he mentioned that he facilitated a discussion on Johannesburg in Dawa in 2020 and in 2019. And the first question he asked his panel, which was uh, senior miners, CEOs or that level, he asked him, gentlemen, what has changed since last year when I interviewed you on a panel? And they all answered, first Furstermilch. So, in his podcast, he's talking about that. So, from his discussion, I am reading that the pressure is on and that it's speeding up. What pressures are you seeing into 2021, Jacques? Yeah,
2: I always enjoyed Andrew Lane. Worked two years with him at, at Deloitte. So, I have a lot of respect for his view. And I think just to add to that. So, if we unpack it and look and say what traditionally drove companies or what was the boardroom discussion, it was all around finance. and Auditing and and financial statements and accounting standards and so forth has been evolving over the last 100 years. Now, if we take ESG and we put them in that same bucket, we don't have the luxury of 100 years to write the standards and to build systems where we have big ERP systems, which actually generates this information to us. I think with technology, we are fortunate that it will be a lot quicker for us to actually get to that maturity point. The other point I want to actually point out here is is to say the way consumers or our stakeholders consume information. I think we all live in an age where we know, and I always talk about my children and how they consume data and information. And it's quite poignant. So I'm going to give away my age on this one. So John and MP, you would remember we still in the old age when you downloaded something and it still buffered for a while because you didn't have high-speed internet,
0: right? Today, yeah, that was about if, yesterday. You know?
2: That was that was
0: yesterday, but
1: I mean, John, things change so
2: quickly. In twenty-four hours, you can change the world these days. And yeah.
1: John all of them started with a uh, five minutes of <laughs> before they started
2: <laughs> exactly. But the point is. is Today, if they want to download a movie or a content of social media and they press that button and it doesn't immediately start to play, they don't think that there's a technology. They just think, Dad, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Similarly, think back to your to your younger days when you still went to a toy shop, right? <laughs> your dad would tell you, we are going Saturday morning and we're going to buy. It. And you waited the whole week for that. Today, your child comes to you and says, Dad, I want this toy. And you're saying, can we get it tomorrow? He says, don't worry. He goes onto the internet, goes onto the site. All you need to give is your credit card details. And you sort it.
0: Right? <laughs> so I've seen I think it's got my, few... my children and my wife confused there.
2: <laughs> uh, it, all, all of us have problems in life. It's just how you manage it. It's a negotiation. And and ESG is is no longer a negotiation. It's real. Coming back to your question, John, it's real. We don't have 100 years. From a mining perspective, I think technology will play a big role in getting us there quicker. And also what is important is, is how do we give that information back? Do we give it real time? My dream on ESG is that we package it simplistically so the investor can actually understand what we're doing. And we match that to the goals we set ourselves. And then secondly, is this, I ask myself the question, is it good enough to publish an annual report once a year and give feedback to my shareholder, my stakeholders, on how mm-hmm. I've done against those goals in ESG? Those but children I, that I, grow
1: up, that become investors, probably not going to like that, right? Yeah,
2: absolutely. That's that's the, the, the point we were discussing earlier. So I think companies and boards will have to find ways to give this information real time to their shareholders for them to make good investment decisions. Mm. And as we alluded earlier, this does make a difference on your share price. And that should not be the reason you do it. But yes, it's a damn good incentive for you not yeah. not dabbling in it.
0: Mm. I read in a recent report that some of the biggest problems that that companies are still experiencing as they mature in this world of ESG management as opposed to ESG reporting is the availability to enough data at the right kind of time intervals and so on to be able to, to have this live system that you refer to. And please, for our listeners, if I, you know, if I talk about system, I don't mean an IT tool. I mean a, a management system approach to managing this. But we all know there's no managing without measuring. And companies report that it's a, it's a big problem for them. Is this something that you've experienced?
2: Absolutely. I I think there there are two challenges. One is the maturity and integrity of the data. And the next one is is a lot of companies still put this on Excel spreadsheets. So they don't have an integrated management system to actually collate all the data. But more importantly, MP, we are almost jumping to the next phase to say, is, is it just good enough to have a good system to collate my data and to report stuff after the fact? Or should I actually be looking and investigating of getting a platform where I can get real-time data and actually analyze and run digital twins and make good business decisions before it actually happens? And I think that is the discussion which is going forward. And I think that is where the world is heading. It's just how quickly we're going to get there.
0: So when you use that magic word platform, Many people who deal continuously with P will know that that in our world, you know, that's a term of art. It means something very specific, namely a means to manage all of your information in one area or in an interconnected fashion, as opposed to different business areas, living and managing information in silence. So you've been working for the past months on, on using a platform to build a framework for this live management of uh, esg absolutely
2: mp I, I think there's two things and i'm excited about this i really think mine has got something very unique to offer to the market and i say this because of two reasons one is this it actually takes esg to the core of the business so it's where the planning and activities happen so it's not something on the side where you have an executive who's trying to drive some ESG initiatives and goals. It is actually part of your business and you manage it as, as part of that business. The second thing is, is, if you then actually think about it, you and that's the concept we are working on tirelessly, is, is around actually having three balance sheets, a financial balance sheet, a reserve and resource balance sheet, and most importantly, an ESG balance sheet. And all of them work concurrently and are in sync with each other so if i take a business decision i can instantaneously know what impact that has on my esg balance sheet and on my reserve and resource balance sheet and vice versa
0: does this mean adopting a different esg framework all over again or what's the relationship between esg frameworks and this esg balance sheet you're talking about
2: it is basically so two things one is this the mine rp platform actually goes down to an activity and an action level. And if you then simplistically think about it, you can then link a ESG measurement in all the other frameworks to that activity. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel around your reporting framework for ESG. All you're taking is is breaking down that framework into its lowest level and linking that to a mining activity or to a business activity. And now you can also real-time actually go and Estimate the impact you would have if you change that business process or or activity, because you already have the link to your ESG, and I think that is what makes it very powerful.
0: So, if, if we take this vision of yours of being able to to take mining transactions and expressing the impact of the mining transaction on some kind of balance sheet, whether positive, negative, what is required from a technology perspective? It, it seems like you almost have to be omniscient here to be able to understand how you would impact your community your your employees your your financial balance sheet your governance your direct environment and so on in all in one do you propose in one system that does all of this or how, how do you think about managing these interconnected domains
2: two points to that MP and in, in, in listening to your previous podcasts it's obviously it's partnerships right no one company or platform will give you everything but there are how you are connecting that into a seamless data set we will obviously work with our partners in MinRP, but we provide the core and we then able to to expand that core to actually give you that functionality the second thing is is the great thing about technology is the front end is always user-friendly and easy to use so you don't have to be a tech guru to do that The smart stuff happens in the background, but the normal user or the stakeholder would actually never see that. And and that's the beauty of using technology to do this. You don't have to be an IT specialist to actually make this come to life. And maybe as a final point, I don't think this is just a dream. I think this is something which is very real. And I am very confident that in a very short space of time, this will be demonstrated in reality.
1: Jacques, guiding you a little bit of the detail of what it is that you are doing together with Minopi and with Epiroc, as a new employee but as a contractor before, aspects uh, like a digital risk management, ESG balance sheets, and ESG into the life of mine plans are some of the topics that you are working on. Could you open up a little bit more detail for us around two of these topics, please?
2: Absolutely, John. I- I think when you, when you look at a life of mine, and let's look at what we currently have, it is a static model which gets updated once a year, and our operational plans, which we actually use to to further our mining activity, is not connected. So in working for, obviously, one of the big mining houses, it became apparent to us, and this is for the first time, finance with ESG components to it and, and mining actually crossed that divide. And I think that's very important. Although you would think you work in one company, you still very much had a silo approach and the finance guys didn't talk to the mining engineers and, and vice versa. What we are doing now is bridging that divide. And the first thing we talk about risk management. So obviously having a very risk focused background. The question I ask myself is very simplistically this. If I have a life of mine, what impacts that life of mine? And those are the various risk factors facing the company. Let's take a coal company as an example, coal price, diesel price would obviously impact it. you're running our equipment, transnet and the like, exporting the coal to Richards Bay and so forth. I think what is then important just is to say, if I have this life of mine, it can't be static and my operational efficiencies would obviously feed back into the plan, am I making my targets and goals? But then also all these external factors. And that's where digital risk management starts off. And we actually built, in my previous capacity, a digital tool which has two components: a risk sensing tool which actually sends risks, something like COVID, for instance, and then obviously taking your traditional risks and putting it for a through a four scalings, not just impact and likelihood, but also interconnectivity and velocity. And taking all of those principles and applying that as a front end to our life of mine once you've sort of covered that bit you then look and say well in my life of mine how do i keep this document live or how do i keep this plan live Mm. and that there's not a disconnect between my operational plans and my life of mine because if i can put that into one and update that on regular intervals Mm. i will have a better outcome and then obviously you look at that and all the stuff on supply chain flows through All the ESG stuff flows through. And really now I can start to manage my working capital as a finance person at a mine. Previously, you were able to control it, but it was a bit of a guessing game. Now I think with this type of platform, you actually have the ability to do it real time with good business information to take business decisions. And that's always my bottom line. I'm going to say it again. You can only take a good business decision if you have good business information. And I think this is what it is trying to to achieve.
1: Wow. Sure, Jacques, that's a mouthful. So what I'm hearing is putting business processes together, putting people together on several sides of several divides, but also bringing data together and make the data more in time. And essentially then bringing dashboards to make more decisions more often, as you said, not good enough to publish once a year anymore. So the question I want to ask is your experience around the types of people Now, we know that the data can be put together. Yes, it's complex, but the data can be put together. Like you are busy now with your team at at P. What complexities do you see of bringing people together in the different departments that will now have all this data on tap and are able to look left and right of their part of the business to be able to make proper ESG decisions and feed the board with proper information?
2: I think it almost comes down to consulting 101. It's change management. People have done stuff for many years and it's worked to an extent. Okay. But what has happened is this, and, and I think COVID's just exacerbated what we all knew, but we're always too scared to, to admit to is, is that the world has changed. The world is interconnected by using technology. So I can get any piece of data in my personal life, but when I get to work, I get a siloed approach. And I yeah. think that has now been broken down. So I think. One of your biggest stumbling blocks, as you rightly put it, is, is actually for people to lose this fear that data would expose me. That's absolutely nonsense. What I think is important is, is that data can actually help you do better in your job. Mm. I, I've always used the analogy in, in, in my previous experience we did some analysis around how people consume data and how long it takes them to put this data together. And and this was not a a Oxford thesis, but what the findings were, were people spending 70% of their time putting data together and only spending 30% Mm. to actually analyze and take good business decisions based on that data. And the drive was very simplistic, to turn that around. So spend 70% of your time on making good business decisions, looking at the data and interpreting it and only 30% in actually collating
0: it.
1: And there's a whole podcast in there that we probably should talk to you about again, you know, all the behaviors that needs to support that, etc.
0: It just reminds me of a study I recently listened to, or I should say a conference I listened to. And one of the speakers there, he was speaking on business leadership and he says, the fastest way to change someone's mind is to connect with their heart. And uh I think that's probably one of the things that the ESG reporting and, and, and maybe even the ESG activists have managed to do better over the past say decade is moving from paper and a cold look at numbers to talking to people about the the real social and interpersonal impact that their life and work has on their communities, their environments and so on. John, it's been really fascinating listening to you to speak. We wish you all the best. It has the potential, speaking of impact, to have a big impact in the industry if we're able to forward these kinds of uh, of solutions and put the focus on this. But I want to just quickly come back to you as we close our our podcast, and as we always do with all of our speakers, for people to get to know you a little bit better, we ask everyone. What's on their bedside table? You know, what do they read or, or what do they keep themselves busy with in your case, when you're not thinking about ESG or about systems integration or change management, etc. So what's
1: on your bedside table? And before your answers, we all know that executives are under immense pressure and you be, have being an executive and now being an executive on this side, how do you balance your life? John, I actually read a book a
2: while back. So... You'll be disappointed to know that there is no book on my bedside table. Um, (laughs) Because I read this book. It's actually a great book. It's about me time. And, And I think we are neglecting that. We are so busy pleasing other people or doing things or caring for other people that we don't actually give ourselves that hour, two hours a week, which we need to actually recharge and just spend time with our own thoughts. So I read this book and it was inspirational for me. And what I took then from that book is, is to say, you need to find other outlets to let your creativity and and just relax. So, so the two for me is, is one is around. I enjoy cooking, so I really mm-hmm. love watching the cooking shows and then taking that creativity and trying and applying that in my own kitchen.
0: So, do you I know who's the, gonna who's gonna win Australian Master Chef? Since we're watching it a year behind the time, or have uh, you managed to avoid the headlines?
2: I haven't watched it. I do religiously watch the show. Um, And it's sort of a family thing. Six o'clock, the the world shuts down in our house. And six o'clock, we watch that. Uh, And then before (laughs) that, it it was the show where they renovated the houses. so we sort of interchangeably are really into those type of things. But what is important is is you give an outlet to your creativity. The other thing I really do is, is I absolutely... World War II documentaries is something which which I love, I love reading about strategy and, and those type of things. So it's a strategy book, but in, in a real time scenario, uh, not uh, something which is, which is just in a book. And I was watching YouTube the one day and I actually came across a, a channel called CW Modeling. And this person actually builds diorama. So he builds models mainly of, of, of German armor and then he builds these little scenarios. So, I, if you haven't watched the diorama, please go onto YouTube and just type in World War II dioramas, and you'll see the most fantastic real life 3D things which people create out of scratch build. So, you take balsa wood, plastics, cardboard boxes, polystyrene, and you actually, once you've built your model and you've painted it, and, and there's really a lot of technique in painting it, it's not just that easy. You can really get into this hobby. But then you scratch build, and I actually enjoy that more. So I quickly build my model and then spend sometimes months in building these dioramas. And I draw that back to ESG or to my work life. I now don't look at a piece of packaging which comes from the Willys or the pick and pay as just putting it in a recycle bin. I take those pieces of polystyrene or cardboard and create buildings or landscapes from it. And I think ESG is pretty much the same so which is worthless to somebody else, you turn that into value for yourself. And that's the essence of ESG for me.
1: Wow, fantastic story. You better give us the name of that book for the notes because I think it's a, it's a really, really important topic. And then I think uh, I need to invite you over. I um, always loved cooking, but um, after I had COVID and uh, I had a heavy bound of it, I started cooking again and my calamari tubes are to die for. Not literally, but uh, beautiful. And then uh, this weekend, I tackled a um, octopus, both Spanish recipes. So, um, yeah, I think I need to invite you over.
2: Absolutely looking forward to it. And, and maybe just the book. It's called Me Time, Finding Balance Between Taking Care of Others and Taking Care of Yourself by Jennifer E. Beall. Great read. I think that is could be life-changing it's not a strategy book of how to be a better manager or something it's actually looking (laughs) after yourself and that's where i think everything starts
1: so mp when for all those readers that that you know are fed up with all the reading let's post that and that can be their last book that they read sounds good sounds good
0: thank you so much Jacques. thank you for your time and for your uh, wisdom and john always a pleasure thank you mp Thank you, Annika. That today is our production manager. Yes, maybe while well, we said that, our thoughts are also with our normal production manager, Janri. He's expecting twins and they are due within a week. And so we, we trust that she'll keep healthy and stay healthy. And, and we're looking forward to, to meeting the extended family. Oh, for sure. Thank you, Jacques.
2: Thank you, everybody. Thank you for having Bye. me.